Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way. This is a podcast for serious writers who want to develop their skills in artistry and stand out in a crowded industry by taking intelligent, creative risks. I'm your host, Jonathan Ball. I hold a PhD in literature. I'm the author of uh, numerous books, and I take a very analytical approach to art making, emphasizing both efficiency and experimentation. Hello, everybody. Uh, Jonathan Ball here, and today I don't have a guest, uh, just me and you uh, talking for a while. I've been having uh, a lot of guests lately, although I started the podcast off with no guests. My initial idea was I would just maybe alternate weeks, go back and forth between you know having a guest or just being me by myself. Um, but, you know, I had the opportunity to get a bunch of guests in that I didn't originally expect. Uh, and then also I had some older interviews I wanted to maybe you know, refresh and use. Um, just, I thought, well, maybe I'll do that later, but then I thought, well, they're not getting any newer, <laughs> you know, I'll just do that for a bit. Uh, so we've kind of ended up with no guests or, or just guests for a while and no solo shows, uh, but I'm going to do a solo show now and I'll do, going forward, my plan is to have a bit more of a divide uh, or rather like a split between solo shows and shows of the guests. And today I want to talk about something that uh, I was asked about. If you remember, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, you'll remember back uh, when I had my daughter on, uh, we were just really tired and, you know, just kind of talking late at night uh, about, you know, what it takes to sort of really take yourself seriously as a writer and build a bit of confidence and and so on. Uh, And one of the things that she asked me that I don't think I really gave her a good answer for um, was how do you just get so much stuff done like she she at one point she asked me this is on episode um uh, 11 so if you go to jonathanball.com slash 11 you can listen to that episode uh with jesse jesse taylor is the guest my daughter and uh she asked me at one point just how do you do so many things like how do you write so much stuff um because you know she knows that i'm pretty productive as a writer but at the same time like I'm a very busy person you know I, I I'm not a full-time writer um, I sort of am, you know work part-time as a writer and then the other part-time I'm teaching you know I teach university classes um, so I kind of divide my work between teaching and writing and then year to year it'll differ which one I spend more time on or how much you know, money I'm making where. You know, some years I make more money as a writer, uh, other years I make more money as a teacher. Um, but I'm kind of splitting my time around it. Now, in my head, I think of it all as writing. So if I'm teaching, I teach literature classes, I teach writing classes. So in my head, teaching a writing class, you know, just like talking to you here, this is all an extension of my writing to a certain degree. Like, you know, the writing is primary, the, the actual creation of, you know, fiction or nonfiction or poetry. Um, and then uh, stuff like this podcast or teaching a class, I see it as an extension of that. You know, I'm kind of uh, passing on the knowledge I've acquired over the years uh, or even just um, interacting with other writers in a community building way and learning from them. You know, when I have guests on the podcast, there's a degree to which I'm just learning from them. Um, you know, and, and you're going to learn from them too, but I'm sort of with you there learning. You know, I'm not, you know, the master on the mountain necessarily. Uh, but then in these solo shows, it's a bit more of, you know, the professor and me coming out, you know, kind of sharing what has worked for me, what might work for you. Um, uh, I kind of see that all as part of the writing wheelhouse, even though, you know, this podcast isn't properly writing, but it is a creative thing, like this thing I'm making. Uh, and it is very much, I feel, attached to my writing in that sense. But, you know, year to year, I mean, I don't make money with this podcast, but other things I do will make me money as a writer. And of course, I you know get paid when I teach for the most part, um, you know, unless I'm doing a special workshop or something. Generally speaking, you know, I'm getting paid to do that kind of mentoring and teaching. Um, so she knows, you know, I do not just write as my full-time job. You know, I'm not just sitting around writing things. Uh, I'm doing all this other stuff. Uh, but she also, and she also knows, you know, I spend... Uh, much of my day, day taking care of her you know, very young siblings. You know, I've got uh, two younger siblings. She's got two younger siblings, um, age two and four, um, with you know, through me. 
Uh, she's got other siblings, you know, through her mother, but, um, you know, I've got these two little kids that I'm taking care of more or less throughout the day. Um, and then of course I, you know, spend a good deal of time with her. Um, you know, she doesn't live here. She's, you know, 18 and she lives elsewhere, but I spend, you know, a lot of time with her in a week, generally speaking. Um, you know, more this week, less the other week kind of thing. But, you know, I, like I'm, when I'm with her, I'm with her. Like it's focused time. And, she, you know, she doesn't see me do any writing, you know, you know generally speaking. But she knows that you know, I'm getting things done. And um, I kind of, you know, gave her a bit of a false answer, which is, you know, I just do it. Uh, and that is a correct answer on a certain level. Like, you know, the question answer to like, how do I get so many things done is, you know, well, I just do the things, you know, I just do them. I don't, you know, spend a lot of time worrying about how I'm going to get them done. I just do them. Uh, but the more complex answer, uh, I think is the better answer. And that's what I want to dive into here a little bit today. Uh, the more complex answer, which is, you know, I kind of have certain systems in place that I've developed over the years, and I'm always trying to make my systems work better. And, you know, Sometimes I get rid of them and get new ones in. Um, but generally speaking, I have a handful of things that I have found really work. Um, and I'm always just trying to build on what works and discard things that don't work uh, and then try new things out to see if they'll work for me. And what I find, of course, is over time, as your circumstances change, you know, when you're sitting here taking care of young kids all day, um, it's a very different situation than when you, you know, are just sitting at home alone all day. Um, I've been in both scenarios uh, and, you know, I've had days when I was just all by myself, left to my own devices and I had the whole day in front of me and I could do whatever I want. And some of those days I produced less than, you know, now when I really have these small windows of time and I really have to make them count because for the most part I'm, you know, just spending time with my kids or, you know, doing, you know, marking papers or something. Um, I've had days now which are more productive than days I've had in the past when, you know, the whole world stretched before me. I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't have these responsibilities. And of course, the reverse is true. You know, I can think back to days when I really did a lot of work. I got a lot of things done. Um, but, you know, I've gone up and down in my life, and I think everyone does that. And what I've learned, though, is what works and what doesn't. Um, at least for me, and I think... Also for you, there's a core set of things that, you know, I've noticed work all the time. You know, whether you've got a lot of time or a little bit of time, you know, you can be very productive if you're just sort of aware of how you're using that time and you have certain systems in place. So I'm going to share with you my five best tips uh, for productivity. Now, um, there are, of course, other things you can do. There are kind of more complicated systems out there. But I want to share five pretty simple and straightforward things that you could start doing today. You could change, kind of change how you're doing things if you're not already doing this, and you could start doing this today, and you could, you know, become a more productive writer. Um, so my five best tips, and I'm just going to kind of go through each one and explain each one. Now, there's an article version. This is podcast is going to be very different from the article version, but if you go to the, your web, the website, uh, jonathanball.com, or, you know, writingtherongway.com, what you'll find is the show notes for the podcast. Um, this uh, is pod. This is the episode uh, 18. So if you go to jonathanball.com slash 18, that's jonathanball.com slash 18, uh, you'll get the show notes for this episode, which effectively are a long, you know, essay article uh, where I go through each of these tips in turn. So I'm going to go through the same tips here. I'm just going to kind of maybe explain them a little differently. Uh, than I do in the article, you know, because I, I don't want to just read an article for you. So I'm going to kind of uh, talk to you a bit more directly, a bit more casually in some ways, but also just share a little bit more, um, you know, personally uh, about each of these uh, tips and how they've worked for me and how, you know, they, they could work for you. Uh, so there's five things. Uh, one, pick one priority. Two, don't multitask, double task. Three, uh, batch your baking. Four, just quit. <laughs> and five, start right now. So I'm going to go through each of these in turn. Uh, so the number one, pick one priority. Now, the single 
most important thing I ever did as a writer is I started to prioritize. Now, people say that a lot, prioritize. Well, and you think, oh, of course, you got to have prioritized things. But I've noticed a lot of people who talk about prioritization don't actually prioritize. Um, and it is very hard to prioritize. It's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, but let me tell you a bit of a story. Uh, way back in the day, I had the same problem that I noticed a lot of people have. Um, writers come to me with this problem all the time. And I had the problem uh, as well. I still lapse into having this problem from time to time. Um, but I had a period in my life where I was doing a lot of work. I was doing a lot of writing. I was getting a lot of work done. Or rather, I was getting a lot of writing fit, writing done, but I wasn't getting a lot of things done. So I was doing a lot of writing. You know, I was turning out thousands of words every day, but I wasn't actually finishing anything. Or I would finish a draft of something, but I never like finalized the draft. Uh, and what I ended up with is... Um, I ended up with this weird scenario where I was working a lot. I was doing a lot of things and I felt very productive. You know, I was producing a lot of words, um, but I wasn't actually finishing a whole lot of stuff or I was finishing a lot of small things and I wasn't making a lot of real headway on big projects. But uh, yet if you looked at it from the outside, you would think, well, this guy is actually doing a good job. You know, he's getting thousands of words out. He's pushing pages out. The problem is always different projects, you know. So I had this weird scenario, which I think a lot of people have, where I had like 20 things that were almost done, but nothing was done. And I would just start a new thing. And it would go for a while. Uh, so, you know, I would have like five books that were almost like 80% finished, but none of them were actually finished. And I'm still catching up from like that period of my life where like I have all the stuff half done or I've done one draft of it but I never did a second draft or whatever uh, what changed my life in terms of working was I I kind of realized the truth of prioritization which is that people kind of use that word wrong people talk about having priorities you know I've got all these different priorities well as a matter of fact, that's a bit of a wrong method of talking about priorities because pri a priority is singular. The actual definition of a priority is that it is the one thing that you have to put above other things. So the one thing that comes first before moving on to other things. So whenever somebody talks about priorities, you know, talks about having these different multiple priorities um, they're not fully talking about the concept properly you know there is a word called you know the word priorities exists but uh, and you know the way people use it is you know accurate in terms of like how the language of english works but in terms of the concept and how the concept is actually meant to operate the idea of a priority is you have one thing you do that thing then you move on to something else uh, and how I implemented this in my working life was um, I decided as an experiment, I would just focus on one major project. So let's say books. I was doing you know, really just doing books at the time. It was like I could my rule that I made for myself because I was so sick of working on things all the time and never finishing anything. I thought, well, let's just make a rule for myself. The rule is I can only work on I have to work on the thing that is closest to being done. So that was my rule. Barring some other external factor that requires me um, to work on a different thing. So let's say I've got a deadline. And I, well, okay, I have to work on that thing that has the deadline coming up soon. That's now my priority. But barring a deadline or some, you know, somebody's paid me to do it or some other like external factor that has determined my priority for me. Uh, barring that, I have to work on the thing that is closest to being done. And I cannot work on any other project unless I abandon this project forever. So that was my rule. If I had five books uh, partially finished in draft, you know, I had to work on the one that was closest to being finished. And I had to finish it before I allowed myself to work on any other book or any other project. I had to finish it or I had to abandon it forever and never finish it. You know, throw it in the trash, uh, file it in the archives, but never come back to it. Uh, and as soon as I instituted that rule, 
I went from having all this stuff done in draft um, or even partially done but never having finalized or not being finished at all. I went from all these sort of half done, 80% done, you know, 30% done projects to one after the other. I was churning things out. I ended up publishing five books in five years. Uh, before my first book came out, I had two books under contract. Um, you know, I was killing it for a little while there. Then I had a bunch of personal stuff happen and, you know, it, it all kind of fell apart for a while. Uh, now I'm, you know, but the real thing that happened, like I can point at all the personal things that happened in my life, you know, which was a lot of stuff that kind of started happening. Um, but, uh, fundamentally the reason I wasn't able to continue, uh, my trajectory of publishing a book a year was not because of all this other stuff happening in my life. Like that was a factor, but the fundamental problem was I abandoned my principle and I stopped prioritizing having one thing that I worked on before all else. Um, I stopped doing that. I started working on multiple projects again because, you know, so much stuff was going on in my life. It was so stressful and so many things were occurring. Um, I felt so scattered and I very much lost, um, one, I made my like daughter and my family, the priority. I mean, I was trying like, they are the priority, but in terms of like work, um, uh, I kind of lost prioritization in the work life and I started working on multiple projects again. And then of course, once I got back to my core principle of, you know, no, 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 you have to work on one project until it's done thing that's closest to being done uh, and then you finish it or you abandon it and decide you're never going to finish it once I came back to that of course um, as I should have known <laughs> I started just finishing things again and I ended up again now I'm again in the situation where I'm sitting here I've got two books contracted to come out as I'm talking to you so I'm right back to where I was at age 29 <laughs> when I first came up you know now I'm 39 and I'm right back to where I was at age 29 um, uh, I have got two books contract, two books coming out, two different publishers. It actually is the same two publishers. It's just the reverse order. Um, and you know, my career at that point had really gotten onto track. Uh, my career now is kind of getting back onto track. I mean, it kind of was a little off track because of a bunch of, you know, personal life issues, to various crises occurring, you know, in my family life. Um, and, you know, I had two kids, you know, there's all sorts of stuff going on. Right. Um, but the thing that's really kept me moving forward, either through those hard periods or, um, you know, keeping the train on the tracks is that idea of having a single priority. Now, sometimes you have to shift the priority. So it's not like I'll work on a book until it's done. I won't do anything else. Um, but I'll like make, say, a book uh, or a screenplay or whatever it is. I'll make it my priority. And then sometimes something will have to come along and displace it. And I get a new priority. Um, so sometimes, like I say, you know, a deadline will arise. Or, you know, you'll get a contract for a book. Or, you know, uh, because I've had multiple books under contract at the same time, I've had situations where, like, I'm working on one book, but then like the edits on the other one come back to me. Well, I would kind of, that was off my plate, but now it's, you know, back on my plate. Um, in those sorts of scenarios, of course, you have to be flexible and you have to shift. Basically now you've got an external force determining or replacing, you know, redetermining your priority. Um, but it still is very important to kind of have one priority, you know, just one thing. And you're focusing on that one thing, um, you're going to move forward with it. Um, as opposed to doing a bunch of different things. When you work on a lot of different things, you hit this period or this place where you feel very productive. Uh, and you can even just look at external uh, evidence of your productivity. You can say, well, I've got this many words I wrote today and I wrote this many words tomorrow and or yesterday and the day before. You can actually like sit and look at external validations uh, and you can get all this feedback validating your productivity. But fundamentally, unless the project is done, it's basically not done. You know, life is kind of a pass and fail in that sense. 
uh, whenever I teach creative writing, I get a little frustrated that I have to give them grades because I just want to pass fail them. I want to pass fail um, the students because either, you know, when you produce a piece of work, like that's what it is, it's pass fail. Uh, it gets published or it doesn't get published. You know, there's not really an in-between space or rather the in-between of like isn't being not published. So like, it's like fail, 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 fail. That's what the writing life is. You fail, you know, all the time. And then every once in a while you'll pass. <laughs> every every you know, blue moon, something goes well for you. Um, so you have to kind of just be comfortable with failing and sit in the failure period. You know, you when your draft is a disaster, you just have to be comfortable with it being a disaster and keep working on it. Uh, and at a certain point, you know, it's not a disaster anymore. You publish it or whatever happens. Uh, you get it to that good place. Even if it doesn't end up being published, you artistically succeed in accomplishing the thing that you had set out to do or getting as close as possible, say. Um, but up until that point, you're kind of sitting in failure. Like everything's horrible garbage until it's finally good. Um, and I think very much the same principle is true in terms of productivity. If you just work on one thing until it's done, uh, and then go back to the next thing and work on it until it's done. And you just keep moving from priority to priority like that. Uh, and just as much as possible, be as ruthless as possible, keep going on a thing until it's finished. As you do that, what you figure out is, well, I've got this trail of work now that I'm leaving behind me. You know, I've got this body of work that I'm building up and you kind of get some past successes and you build on them. And, you know, you've got some failures in there, you've got some successes, but you're building. Uh, otherwise, um, what you end up doing is jumping from thing to thing and just feels very good, but it, you can't really build anything. Uh, you can't, from the outside, it's like you're doing nothing. Uh, in the inside, it feels very busy and productive, but actually you're not producing anything. So if you go back to that word productivity, um, I mean, again, the point is to be producing things. You know, you're produ you're finishing writing and then you can put it out in the world or you can not put it out in the world, but you've got it there finished and now you're moving on to the next thing. Um, having one priority uh, is the important thing. Uh, if you've got 100 things, 80% done, you have nothing done. And you're better off to have like one thing 100% done and then, you know, 99 other things at 2%. Um, then you've got one thing done, right? One is better, bigger than zero. Uh, it's simple math, but when you're in the midst of it, it feels very different and it's hard, easy to lose that focus. So that's my sort of primary tip. And if you do nothing else, uh, do do this. Uh, pick one thing and work on that one thing until you're done. If something comes up and you have to replace that priority, you know, that's usually a good problem to have. You know, if somebody says, hey, I'll pay you a bunch of money to work on this other thing. Well, okay, <laughs> that's your new priority. Uh, but for the most part, you wanna just z zero in and focus on the one thing. Uh, now, sometimes people have a problem with picking that thing. Uh, Again, my rule was simple. Work on it if it's the thing that's closest to being done. Uh, I think that's the most neutral uh, way to do things. If you work on the thing that's closest to being done, then you know, you'll finish it uh, quicker than you would finish another thing. And then you can move on. Um, so that's the simplest way to look at things. Uh, another way to look at it, though, is what would make the most difference? if it was finished, like the most actual difference in your life. If you've got 10 things you could write, write, you know, 10 book ideas, let's say, or 10 ideas for poems or stories. Um, let's just stick with books for the sake of the example. The question is, well, what would make the most difference if it was already done? Like if you actually could finish it today and then tomorrow, uh, what would have made the most difference to have finished today? That experiment will kind of that thought experiment will kind of get you figuring out well what actually would have the most impact on your life. You know maybe you've got ten ideas for books. I mean I'm in a scenario right now where um, I've published a bunch of poetry books. I've got a short fiction book coming out. Um, 
what would make a lot of difference in my life is finishing a novel. Like that's would have the biggest impact on my career. So um, I've got a bunch of you know novels in draft or half draft or whatever, uh, and I've got other books that are not novels that I could be working on. Um, but what's going to make the biggest difference for me is is a novel. So barring other things, um, I would you know pick a novel to work on. I mean. In my actual scenario, I'm, I've got a screenplay I have to finish first. Um, but, you know, if that wasn't the case, if I was just looking at, like, what's going to have the most career impact of these books, um, then I would have to pick a novel. You know, again, if there wasn't, like, something else to sway you. The other thing to just figure out is, is there a, well, I'll get into this a little bit later, but, the other flip side of this, which I'll talk about shortly, is what's the negative consequence if you don't do the thing? Because um, that's something that can really guide you. If there's going to be a massive negative consequence if you don't do this thing, um, like, you know, you blow your deadline, well, now you're out $25,000 or something. Well, okay, that's going to kind of help you figure out what you should be focusing on. Once you have a priority... Uh, I think a very useful technique and my second big tip is to do a thing that I call double tasking. Don't multitask. Again, don't work on a bunch of different things. Um, but similarly, don't work, even if you've got one project, one priority, within that project, don't work on a bunch of different tasks. Uh, that can be the second um, great danger of losing focus or breaking apart your focus is yes, you're doing one thing, you're just working on your novel, but you've got like 18 different sub-projects inside of that, and you're jumping from one to the other. So you're, you're writing an outline, you're writing a chapter, you're figuring out what's going to happen later in the story, you're, maybe you're um, fleshing out, um, you're editing a previous chapter you wrote, maybe you've got like a bunch of different tasks and you're jumping between them. Well, um, that is a very bad idea, because it's the same sort of thing where you're diluting your focus, uh, but also, when you multitask and you jump from one thing to another, uh, you, you, you pay a large neurological price for that. Um, it's called task switching. Multitasking isn't really possible for the brain to do. Instead, it switches between tasks uh, at a rapid pace. Um, but as rapid as that pace is, it's still slower than if you stayed on task because there's a cost in terms of switching. You cost your attention and there's all sorts of other ways in which neurologically um, you end up being less productive. So I'm not going to go into the details of that. You can you know, find out more about that if you don't already know it. But just trust me <laughs> at this point. Um, when you task switch and jump from thing to thing like that and you jump around between multiple tasks, what ends up happening is... Um, you lose your focus, you lose your flow, uh, you end up taking much longer to complete the tasks than if you had just made them sequential. If you just worked on one thing, then the next thing, then the next thing, then the next thing. Again, it feels like that's slower. It feels like doing one thing, then the next thing, then the next thing, the next thing is slow, but actually it's going to be faster. When you jump from thing to thing, you feel like you're being very fast and you feel like you're really productive, but it's false. It's just an emotion. The emotion of productivity is not the same as actually being productive. Uh, your emotions are false and will lie to you. You know, emotions are a very bad guide to most things. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe in your love life, that might be less true. Uh, although I would argue it's probably more true. Um, but certainly in productivity and, you know, getting work done. Your emotions will destroy you. You cannot trust your emotions. You have to be analytical. You have to think. Uh, and you have to just trust your systems. Uh, trust the science. Trust the systems. However, um, so multitasking, you know, is a no-no. Uh, but what I've found very useful is a thing I call double tasking. So what this is, is a situation where you're just doing one task, but you're making that task work across multiple projects. So you're doing one thing, but that thing counts uh, in multiple ways. So a really simple example of this, again, is if you go to jonathanball.com 18, you'll be able to read an article um, that I wrote 
that lays out all of these five tips and some explanation of each one. So that blog post operates as show notes, you know, for this podcast. But I actually wrote that before I recorded this podcast. Um, so I did one thing, you know, wrote an article on productivity tips, my five best productivity tips. Uh, but that and that article, of course, is available on my website. It is a blog post. It is a blog article. Uh, but additionally, it operated as my show notes. I've got it printed out sitting beside me here. And I'm, you know, every once in a while you might hear me rustling paper uh, because I'm looking at the article and I just have it printed out. I highlighted a few things. You know, I'm not reading this article to you, but I'm just jumping from like the main points to the next main point. Uh, and I'm kind of extemporizing a little bit. Um, I think the best way to do these podcasts is to kind of talk in a more casual manner and, you know, talk to you rather than kind of lecturing at you from a, um, you know, a paper, you know, reading my essay aloud. Uh, but nevertheless, I don't want to just be up here rambling nonsense. I want to have a structure to what I'm say saying. I want to have it planned in advance. Uh, so uh, normally in the, in the past, you know, I would write little show notes or outlines and then I would, you know, do that. And then I would end up uh, kind of summarizing the points in a little blog post and so on and so forth. I was very dissatisfied with how that was working because one, it was taking me a lot of time. I was doing all this work that never really mattered. Like you write an outline and you throw it away, you know? And then on the other hand, I would be producing this kind of after the fact outline of the shows, but it wasn't very readable, you know? So if you went to go see the show notes, you know, they kind of had some value and of some use, but they weren't super interesting and they weren't super readable. Uh, so what I decided to do uh, is sort of change how I was doing things. I thought, well, what if I go back to my double tasking idea? What if I were to, you know, really spend some time writing a blog, like writing a long article, write a 2000 word article uh, that I, you know, could just publish as is. It doesn't have to have necessarily attached to a podcast or anything, but write a lengthy blog post that would be valuable in and of itself. Uh, and I published that. And then also I used that uh, as, you know, show notes. Uh, and then I actually record off that as an outline. Uh, and of course, that's what I mean by double tasking. I'm doing one thing, writing an article, but it's performing multiple functions. It's a blog post. It's also show notes for the podcast. Plus it's the outline for before I record the podcast. It's going to help me, you know, actually produce the podcast. In the future, I may also do something else with it. Maybe I'll collect it into a draft material in a book on you know productivity or something. Um, the same thing, the same you know task I'm accomplishing is performing these multiple functions. Ideally, that's what you want to do. Uh, instead of just doing a th you know, the simplest way, of course, of doing this that writers know is you write a short story, you collect it later into a book, right? You write a poem, you collect it later into a book. Well. Um, if you know you can publish that poem, you can publish it again. Maybe you reprint it in an anthology, and you can put it in your own collection. You did that poem once. You spent one you know moment, one shining moment drafting that poem, uh, and then you know you used it in multiple projects. It ended up in your book. It ended up in this anthology. It ended up in a journal. You know maybe you put it on your website as well, um, and so on and so forth. So that principle, uh, just kind of laying across other things. I think it's. As writers, we have like these things we do that are very efficient and very smart, but then we don't ever think, oh, let's just take that principle and apply it elsewhere. Uh, and so that's sort of something that I've been trying to do. So don't multitask, but double task. A really simple example uh, of this might be if you're writing a novel, let's say a novel is a project where you're really dug into it and it's going to take a long time to see a result. And that can be frustrating. It can be demoralizing. Um, one thing that's useful to do with a novel is, and you'll sometimes see people do this, is you know, if you actually outline a novel in advance, for example, or you have even just a rough idea of where you're going with this novel, um, to find some part of the novel that um, would work on its own. So is there a chapter? Is there a sequence? Is there a scene that you could repurpose and use uh, as a standalone short story. Uh, often what you'll find if you think through your book is there is a scene like that, at least one, if not multiple ones. Well, let's say you were to write, let's say chapter five is a standalone story. 
well, why not write chapter five first? You know? So in other words, why not write a short story that then you just slot right into the novel? Maybe you'd have to edit it a little bit, but otherwise, you know, you write chapter five first as a standalone story, short story. Uh, a few, th then, you know, you try to publish that short story and you've also got your chapter five done for your novel. Um, there's a few things that can happen there. One is, of course, you've got this short story, but you've also got this chapter for the novel. Like the same task, the same thing you produced, the same work is performing two functions now. You're, you're double tasking. Uh, the other thing that's going to happen in that sort of scenario is maybe you're going to realize this isn't a novel, right? Maybe this is just a short story. It's not a novel. Well, isn't that a better thing to learn, um, you know, before you write these four other chapters and then you hit chapter five and before you finish your draft or whatever. Um, if you can't summarize things down in that level, like if you don't have a standalone piece like that, maybe that's just the nature of your novel. Uh, maybe it's an indicator that the thing doesn't work. Um, so in that scenario, let's say you, you know, ended up realizing after doing like a test chapter, basically, uh, you realize this thing doesn't have legs. Well, maybe you still have a short story that works uh, as opposed to, you know, even if you do abandon the novel, but ideally, of course, um, your short story is going to serve as, you know, a chapter that you publish as a short story and then also a chapter in the novel. Now, what I would do in that scenario is I would also, of course, apply for a grant or try to, you know, put together a pitch package. Um, that, that same short story could really, you know, that chapter from the book that functions as a short story uh, would be a much better thing to use in a grant package than, say, just, you know, a few pages that don't really have a self-contained quality. A similar thing is true of a pitch package. Often those sorts of scenarios, like for a grant proposal, for a pitch package, you have to put together like an outline of the whole thing or something, or like some test pages. Well, uh, the short story, like a complete unit like that, is going to be a bit more impressive. Uh, and it's going to give a better sense of how the thing would cohere as a, a whole. Uh, so again, there's a scenario where like, that you could do all four of those things, right? You could do one project, one task, this short story, and then it could serve at least four functions. It could be a short story. It could be a chapter for a novel. It could be a part of a pitch for trying to get a contract for your novel. And it could be a uh, grant uh, piece. Let's say you're going to do a graphic novel, uh, but you can't draw. Again, uh, maybe the final thing you're going to produce is a graphic novel. Why not write a short story? Why not write a short story? summation or version of the ch of the project use that as an outline uh, again to try to pitch it and get some money or uh, get a grant or whatever you need uh, but then otherwise even if the project falls apart you can't get the money etc you've got a standalone work i do this with screenplays a lot i'll write a short story version of the story so it won't be the same it won't have the same expansiveness but it'll be like a short story, con story condensation of what the thing is and then you know i can use that as a bit of a basis or an outline to kind of show people here's how the thing will kind of look and feel and it's more engaging and fun to read than a um uh than an outline would be or a treatment it's functionally similar but it's you know a little bit more interesting to read i can produce a treatment off that very fast like a really standard treatment if i wanted to uh, or i can flesh that a little bit into a treatment again it serves often to um just test the story a bit for me. Uh, but the other thing that, of course, it does is if the project falls apart, I still have the short story. And sometimes that's more feasible than other times. The other really simple thing that if screenwriting, uh, writing a short story that you actually plan to do a screenplay for is uh, going to do for you is it locks up IP. So, <laughs> you know, your intellectual property, your copyright is going to be generated by the short story. Uh, so one really simple thing to do uh, if you you are planning to do a screenplay project, so you want to write a feature screenplay, you're going to send a spec script out into the world. Um, I would really encourage people to write a short story version first. 
because you can publish that story, um, then you can write your screenplay while you're submitting a story around to be published, let's say. Um, when that screenplay finally gets finished, ideally you will have published your story. Uh, so by the time somebody's looking at the screenplay, you've actually locked down the copyright by publishing the story. A lot of times people worry about, um, you know, people stealing their ideas or whatever. Well, that's the simplest, most elegant solution. You know, just lock your copyright down um, with a short story or, you know, some other you know thing that is unique and complete in itself. And then if your, you know, screenplay never gets made or uh, you've still got an expression of that story. Sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not possible. Um, but productivity-wise, at its heart, it's a good principle. You know, try to do one, th one thing that works at least for two or three different functions. As an aside, I find this a useful prose writing tip. You know, try to have, like, say, every sentence serve at least two functions. So it's going to be, say, a line of dialogue. It's going to tell you something about who this character is uh, and how they relate to another person, but also it's going to get across, say, plot information. My third tip is my third tip is something I learned when I worked in a donut shop. <laughs> so uh, I call it batcher baking, but it's a very simple productivity principle, which is just you produce uh, the same kinds of things together. Uh, so you batch tasks, in other words. Uh, so when I worked at a donut shop, what would happen was um, I worked a night shift, and they would have the chef come in, and he would cook a bunch of donuts, and then I would take the donuts and pack them up in a van. And I would deliver them to the other franchises that the owner also owned. He had three different franchises uh, throughout the city of Winnipeg. Uh, They're pretty far away from each other, but um, he would all make the donuts in one location. So he paid one cook one time, uh, but then split those donuts across. Basically, he did three bakes at once, and then um, you know I would drive the donuts across the city. So this made sense for him because he was paying this cook more than he was paying me. Um, but also, uh, you know, the cook didn't have to go from place to place. He didn't have to have three cooks. You know, it was very efficient. Uh, the same basic principle applies to other things, um, you know, to writing, I think especially, uh, or any sort of creative endeavor. What you'll find often as a writer is you have the same kinds of things to do a lot. And... It helps you just batch them together. So a really simple thing that I do is I record these podcasts, you know, right? Uh, I try to do a lot of work on podcasts in a group. So uh, in August, for example, I launched this podcast in September. In August, I did a bunch of work. I got uh, basically uh, enough podcasts ready that I could go into November. I could go from September, October, November uh, without producing a new podcast. I did all that work in August. So I took like two or three weeks in August to just get, I spent most of August just getting everything up and running on the podcast. I learned how to make a podcast. I learned, I went through a course on podcasting. I did all this stuff. Uh, I recorded a bunch of podcasts. I found old recordings that I could repurpose for podcasts. I wrote up a bunch of show notes. You know, I did all this stuff. I had you know, the images made up, uh, that little uh, logo uh, got made and so on. All that stuff got put together. I did it all in August. Then I you know, scheduled it out. Um, from September, October, November, I did a little bit of extra recording. Uh, just because I got some opportunities that came my way to talk to certain people. Uh, but generally speaking, like, I didn't really do much on this podcast. You know, you've just been listening to it. Um, and I've been sitting around doing other things. You know, I batched all that in August. Now, if I were to stretch that same amount of, so I spent like, let's say, three weeks in August. Let's say call it two weeks because really a lot of that work was figuring out how to even make a podcast. But let's see. You know, I spent roughly two weeks in August just putting all the podcasts together and getting them all ready to go. Uh, and then I spent three months just you know more or less sitting on my hands you know, with a little bit of extra work here and there. Now, if I had instead every week scrambled to make a podcast and meet the deadline, it would have been really stressful and disastrous. And it wouldn't have allowed me to work on other projects in the same way. I would have felt really scattered 
And again, I would have been in a situation where I've been dividing my focus around multiple projects. Um, I find batching tasks like this is really boring. <laughs> like I don't like to do it. Um, but it's so much less stress in the long run. When I, I stopped doing my high horoscope column, I'll get back to it later on, but I have kind of stopped doing it for right now. Um, but when I used to do it, you know, the high horoscopes, what I would do is I would sit there and I would take like a week and I would write, you know, just, or just pour out high horoscope columns. I'd write a ton of them. Um, and I would like preload them into my website and all the stuff. So I would spend like a week just being miserable, writing these stupid like horoscopes that like they're fun to write for like an hour or two but like it's not fun to write that stuff for a week but i would just do it anyway but then when the week was done like i didn't have to think about it again for a year i either you know i would have months of new stuff in advance and then like when i was publishing fresh columns i would just like every week i would email somebody something i wrote a while ago and i would change like a few jokes here and there like i make a quick edit like if somebody died i would take out a joke about them you know i wouldn't like joke about a celebrity if they just died for example um but i'd like pre-written that joke like three months before say um so i make like little edits like that but otherwise i just send an email out every you know week as if i had just come up with these new horoscopes and you know that was my work so like week to week i would work spend like 10 minutes max um so it wasn't a big thing as opposed to like if I spent every week I had to spend an hour to two on these horoscopes, it would have very quickly started to feel like a real slog. And then on a busy week, it would have been difficult. Um, but you know, you batch it all at once. Um, again, it's not so much fun in the moment. You kind of get bored of doing the same thing over and over again. But you start to really appreciate it when, um, you know, you've got this big reservoir of things to draw on. That's one of the reasons I'm able to often to produce like new work on a regular basis. Um, like when Jesse asks me, like, how do you get so much stuff done? Part of it is like, it's a false productivity because when I had more time, I did more work. <laughs> and now when I've got less time, I'm doing less work, but I've got this reservoir of stuff that I can draw on, you know, I've got all sorts of stuff that I have written previously and never published. So like if I just pull one of those things out of the vault and like push it out into the world, um, it's equivalent to making a new thing, but I actually, you know, I'm just polishing off an old thing. So sometimes that's more or less possible or more or less a good idea. Um, but generally speaking, you know, you can kind of get a lot of benefit of bashing tasks like that, even just on the simplest level of, you get in the groove of writing them. Like when I was writing haiku horoscopes for a week, I mean, I freaking hated doing it, but I could do it really easy, right? Like after you kind of do it for a couple hours, you know, you can just keep doing it. It's very easy. You're in the mindset to write haiku horoscopes. They're just coming to you. Um, again, I was writing these haikus. Uh, and I got to the point where I didn't have to count syllables anymore, right? Like I would just know whether it was five syllables or not, I wouldn't even have to count it. I would, after the fact, I would just double check everything, you know, but I could just, you know, I just got instinctively, I could tell whether it was five syllables or seven syllables, or if I need an extra syllable or another one, I wouldn't even have to count, I would just know, because my brain was just locked into high horoscope mode. My fourth big tip is a very simple one. It's that you should just quit things. Don't be afraid to not do something. Um, when people talk about productivity and getting a lot of things done, like one of the things they often don't talk about is maybe you just shouldn't do that thing. Like maybe instead of getting something done, you should just not do that thing. Uh, I think a good test is to just, before you actually spend the time on something, just sit there for a second and think, what if I just don't do this? Like tap into your natural laziness. What if you don't do it? What if you don't write that novel? What difference does it make? It's a really good question to ask what difference does it make if you don't do it if you just didn't do it would anybody notice would anybody care if the answer is nobody would notice and nobody would care um maybe you should do something else <laughs> you know what i mean if you really like are 
writing this novel and like that's your thing you you think you need to do okay just what if you don't do it if you don't write a novel what's gonna happen um i'm not saying you shouldn't write a novel but i think it's worth thinking through like what is the actual stakes if it doesn't really matter in your life in the you know in the sense that and i don't mean in the sense like oh i won't make any money I won't, nobody's gonna publish it um let's imagine nobody's gonna publish a novel is it still worth writing that's the real question. Imagine nobody's going to publish a novel. No one's going to give you a dime for this novel. No one's going to read your novel. Is it still worth writing that novel? If your answer is no, you should not write the novel. If the answer is yes, it's still worth writing it because I existentially want to write novels. You know, that's what I want to do, even if nobody reads them, even if nobody is going to care. But that's what I want. That's who I, you know, see myself as. What I uh, f find fun or valuable or whatever. Uh, or even if, like down the line, you want to be good enough that somebody would care, somebody would, you know, publish you or whatever. And maybe you're not there yet, and you recognize it. But you won't get there unless you finish this novel. You know, if you don't finish this lousy novel that you're working on. You'll never get to that great novel later. Um, if that stuff matters to you, then great. Now you have a sense of the stakes and you know you should be doing this thing. If that stuff doesn't matter to you, if you're only doing it for some idea that you're going to get money, or if you're only doing it to be published, or if you're only doing it, um, like if it doesn't fundamentally have value for you, like intrinsic internal value, you just shouldn't do that thing. Uh, similarly, if you're, we're talking about maybe not an artistic project or even just like a task, like if um, there's just some paperwork you have to do, uh, what if you just don't do it? <laughs> like what if you just don't? Does anyone care? Will anyone notice? Why are we wasting your time with it if that answer is no? Is anyone going to really you know get mad at you if they get mad will they be mad in an hour or will they only be mad like for the 10 seconds you tell them you didn't do it um it's very easy to get wrapped up in this idea that things matter a lot something i like to do uh, sometimes <laughs> i'll admit and something that i th really recommend you do is take a secret vacation whenever you feel really overwhelmed and like there's so many things you have to do oh no what am i going to do it's a counterintuitive thing but take a secret vacation just shut the brakes or hit the brakes shut everything down i i say go into ken mode kill everything now um great band called ken mode by the way but kill everything now um just stop doing it take a week and don't do anything for a week or a couple of days don't do anything don't tell other people you're not doing anything, but just like don't do anything. Do like the bare minimum. If you're teaching a class, don't prep. Just show up to the class unprepped. Is anybody actually notice? In other words, like, is there a difference? What I started doing at a certain point was um, I was doing all this prep for classes. It was just driving me crazy. I was spending all this time prepping. And I thought to myself, what if I just don't prep? <laughs> and I walked into class like I was so you know tired and burned out. And I was just like, F it, you know. And I was just like, I'm just not gonna prep. I just walked into class, have no prep. And I, you know what? Went just fine. It was actually practically insignificant the difference between me being over prepped and having no prep now i do prep my classes but what i realized at that point was oh i can do a lot less prep in fact when i do less prep and i kind of you know am a bit looser students like it more like i feel i seem less like a robot to them and more like a person who actually cares about these books that they're reading um so you know of course i got my days when i'm more tired or i'm maybe i'm more robotic or whatever but generally speaking um i just learned like oh i've been doing a bunch of work i don't need to do it doesn't really matter to anybody uh, the same is true 
you know, marking papers. Um, what I realized at a certain point marking papers is students don't want to, don't actually read most of the comments on these papers. So it's not that I can't put comments, like I have to give them the feedback. They need the comments. Um, there's a lot of reasons they need it. There's like practical reasons, like it's going to help them become better. But it's also like, you know, uh, they are required by the university's regulations to get so many, so much feedback on their writing and so on and so forth. Um, but what I started thinking through a bit more was, okay, is there a way I can put less comments on the paper, but, you know, make them the right comments so that one, when students get their papers back, they're not just overwhelmed with all these comments. And it's like, what am I supposed to do with all this mark? Like this, this red ink everywhere. What do I do? I f they freak out. But instead, like if I had less red ink, uh, but it was more specific and directed, um, it would it would help them a bit more because they wouldn't feel like they were disasters, right? They would think, oh, it's not that much red ink. It's just a few things I maybe need to do and change. Um, as opposed to, you know, it's this big battleground bleeding everywhere. You know, the horrible wounds in my paper have run red with blood. Um, and then they just tune out. So they're not getting helped. Uh, I'm wasting my time, you know, etc. A lot of times there's like a middle ground uh, between like the work you think you should do and the work that actually it's useful to do. And if you take a secret vacation, you just don't do anything for a week and just see, does anyone notice? Uh, you'll you'll find out real quick uh, what people need you to do or what they really depend on you to do if you just don't do it. And you'll find out conversely what doesn't matter at all. I've had so many moments in my life where I was just killing myself to do a thing and then I realized like, oh, that doesn't matter at all. <laughs> you know? Even with people, like I've had um, scenarios where it's like you just... I'm sure you've experienced this too. You have this thing where you build up this thing in your head and then it falls through and then like nobody cares. Like you just thought everyone was going to care. Um, but really didn't, it only mattered to you. You know, it didn't matter to you. You were just doing it for somebody else, but you thought, um, but in fact it only mattered in your mind. So just quit things. Just see, you know, what if I just stopped doing this thing? You know, or as an experiment, just stop doing it. See what matters. If there's no real consequence, then you're doing the wrong thing. Again, you're prioritizing improperly. If you're, if you could just stop everything, and it wouldn't matter to your business or your art or your life. My last tip is just a very simple one. Start right now, <laughs> whatever your priority is. Just start it right now. Turn off this podcast. Uh, I hate to say that to you, but like, why are you listening to this podcast? If you're a writer and you're listening to writing the wrong way, here's a big, big question. You just listened to me for an hour. Why didn't you write for an hour? Now, I don't say that to berate you or to make you feel bad, but it's a valid question. You know, I've got to ask that question. Why did I record this podcast for an hour when I could have been writing? Well, there's a lot of answers to that question, <laughs> right? But one thing is, I did my writing. You know, I did my writing today, then I recorded the podcast. You know, this podcast is not my priority. Um, you know, uh, sorry. <laughs> like, I'm going to make money on this podcast. Like, I'm just doing this podcast because, you know, I think it'll be useful to you. Uh, I think it'll be good and fun for me. You know, I'll get to interview people and, you know, uh, talk to people I maybe would never have otherwise, learn from them. Like, I think it's valuable for you and for I. Maybe, you know, down the line, there's some theoretical way their money might be made on it. Um, at the moment, I'm just spending money on it. You know, it's, you know, marketing, uh, I guess you could call it. You know, you know, maybe who I am and you didn't before. Uh, maybe down the line it'll translate somehow. You'll hire me to edit something or whatever. But even, you know, that's all speculative. I don't know. One thing doesn't necessarily lead to the other. So uh, I can't necessarily say this is my top priority. Like this very moment, my priority is to do a bunch of podcasts. Um, but generally speaking, you know, the writing is the priority. So today I wrote, then I got to do my secondary thing which is at this point, the podcast. 
why are you listening to the podcast? I'm not saying you shouldn't. I mean, I want you to listen to it, but it is a question to ask yourself. You know, you had an hour. Um, is this the best use of your time? Uh, if you're, re- <laughs> again, uh, it's not that you can, you have to be working all the time, but uh, if you fundamentally want to write a novel, um, you know, do that first. Uh, if you're finding it hard to get that time uh, in your schedule, you got to look for the places where there is time that exists. Maybe you're listening to this when you're driving. Um, of course, you're not going to write as you drive, but you know what? Uh, experiment a little bit. Maybe you could write and drive. I ended up doing a lot of writing when I was walking to the bus at one point. Uh, I had a 20-minute walk to the bus at this one point in my life, uh, and I was finding it nice uh, but at the same time I was very busy and I wanted it was cutting into my writing time Uh, and I ended up getting this app called Dragon Dictation and I just kind of was testing around with it and what I found was I could uh, while I walked those 20 minutes to the bus I could actually write 4,000 words of nonfiction. now think about that in 20 minute walk I wrote 4,000 words of nonfiction. Now it was very kind of bad draft because um, I hadn't perfected how to do it. So I would kind of screw up and I would backtrack and I would ramble a little bit. But over time, you know, I could have maybe perfected that a little bit more. And also I would have to go and revise it. You know, and the app would screw up a lot of my words and so on. But what I found is if I talked very slowly, um, actually I could get, you know, 4,000 words down, about 2,000, which were probably, I could kind of call it down to like a usable 2,000 with another like half an hour of editing, like on a computer. Uh, So basically what I found is I ended up um, kind of recuperating that time for writing. Um, Now, maybe sometimes you just want to go for a walk uh, or you just want to listen to a podcast. There's nothing wrong with those things. But if you are struggling to find the time, you need to maybe really think through like is there a way to recuperate this stuff you can't necessarily write but you could maybe you know sit there and think through your story problem uh, or whatever it is that's going to help you so um start now whatever it is um you've been doing or putting off doing for the last hour uh turn the podcast off and just start do your priority project Do it right now. Do it for five minutes or three minutes or two minutes or one minute. The fundamentally important thing, and I say this all the time when I talk about writing schedules, if you go to jonathanmog.com slash schedule, you can find all the things I have to say about writing schedules. (laughs) But the fundamental, most important thing about a writing schedule is this. The existence of the schedule Try not to get wrapped up in things like I got to write so many words in a day or I got to write for so long in a day and I got to you know put out a book a year or whatever. All that stuff is results uh, and you can't measure yourself by results necessarily. You have to measure yourself by the process and the process, like do you sit down to write? Do you work? You're a writer if you write. You know, you're not a writer because you published a book or because you know you did this or that or the other thing. You don't need so many credits to call yourself a writer or whatever. You're a writer if you write. Write is a verb. And so um, your planning to write doesn't count. Your thinking about writing doesn't count. You know, publishing doesn't count. Uh, none of that stuff matters except the process. The process is what matters uh, and taking the time. And even how much time doesn't matter. Um, Get in the habit. Start the habit, even if only a minute a day. It sounds stupid to say, write for a minute a day, because of course you can't accomplish much in a minute. But if you're not writing a minute a day, start with a minute a day. Because the important thing is the habit. It's doing it. Uh, And you can build off that. It's easier to change a habit than add a habit. Um, So... Just build on it. I was advising my daughter the other day. She was talking about she wants to get back into running. But she's been having a hard time, you know, getting going with it. 
I was saying, well, what you should do is, you know, find something you do all the time. Like every day you go check the mail. Well, just change that habit. Um, again, you've already installed this habit. Your brain is like pulling you to check the mail every day. So uh, here's your new habit. <laughs> when you go to check the mail, you put on your exercise clothes and your running shoes. Then you check the mail. Then you can go back inside. You don't have to run. And she's like, well, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> but it does make sense. Like, they've done science around these kind of things. Um, if you just start doing that, um, you just build into an existing habit. Um, in this case, you know, putting your running shoes on. I mean, once you have it installed that, oh, every time I go outside with to get the mail, I've got my running sh outfit on. It's very easy to move from there into running. I'm going to run for a minute run for five minutes if you just run for like five minutes um it sounds like nothing and you think well it means nothing it's not gonna make a difference in my life and you're right um but it's easy to ladder that up into a real significant thing uh, as opposed to starting you know going from zero to 800 so just start now uh turn this off right for a minute uh, whatever you've been putting off, whatever you think, whatever's really going to make a difference in your life, uh, just do it. Do it right now, even if just for a minute, and then tomorrow do it again, even if just for a minute, and just keep laddering up. Eventually, you'll get to the point, um, you know, even if you only do a minute a day, at some point, you will have added it all up uh, to get what you need to get done. Um, but if you don't start... There's not much we can do for you, <laughs> you know. And I'm saying this to myself too. I've been guilty of it as well. Um, so it's my productivity, my five best productivity tips. Uh, you can uh, again read the article uh, that has a bit of some extra information, some additional perspectives on these uh, matters at jonathanball.com/slash18. Um, Writingtherongway.com is going to give you all the past episodes and all the show notes uh, for all those episodes. Um, have a great week and keep writing the wrong way. Yeah, we got